Welcome to episode one, season two of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. Thank you for tuning in. I'm excited to sit down with Brett G. Jones, son of Casey Jones. He's a husband, father of Marine, Prince Hall Freemason, systems buster, and last but not least, a madman. Currently, Jones is the client service director of Madras Global. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Out of their New York office, and he recently joined the leadership team of the New York City chapter of Singularity University as the communications chair. He loves talking about his family, music, philosophy, science fiction, mysticism, and futurism. And without further ado... Thanks, LJ. Glad to be here. No, thank you for coming on, man. How's life back east? Uh, life in the east, the northeast, is outstanding. Uh, <laughs> sitting here on a Sunday afternoon talking to you while I got uh, my family outside enjoying the, the pool, the sprinklers, the the, the sunshine after yesterday's <laughs> storm. So it's it's good. Can't complain. Nice, man. Here in Salt Lake, we haven't had much rain. It's been a pretty dry summer. but Burley. How's that inversion? Park City. The inversions uh, hasn't been too bad until all these wildfires kind of polluted us. <laughs> yeah, that's little, still good. A little hazy in the valley, but it's all good. Yeah, so it goes. You've got some exciting stuff coming up, huh? Where, where I you, certainly do. Where do you want to begin? <laughs> um, where 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 would you like to begin? You you know all the the, the things I, I sent you here. <laughs> yep. Up to you. I, and I, I kind of listed those on the intro. Maybe we just go down the list. I mean, obviously, son of Casey Jones, that's your pops. Oh, yeah, that's a great place to start. I wouldn't <laughs> be here if it weren't for him. That's so, very uh, true. <laughs> Got to give the nod to the pops for uh, convincing uh, my mom to make a life with him. So good on you. I think it's still probably one of the riskiest decisions that my mother's ever made in her life. But uh it didn't it, turn it, it out turn, too bad. <laughs> turned out okay. It turned out okay. So far, so good. <laughs> yeah. No, but in all honesty, um, I, I, I wanted to make sure to not hit because, you know, like, for real, I'm, I'm here because of him and uh, learned a lot from the old man. And, um, you know, he, uh, he, he, he taught me to be a seeker, I think, is what I'm most grateful for. Because at a very young age, you know, he, he gave me a, a book, Stranger in the Strange Land by... Uh, Robert Heinlein. I'm gonna uh, have to check that out. Yeah, and and he, he just said, hey, you might like this book. You know, it's it's fiction, but you know, check it out. It's science fiction. I love science fiction, so let me know what you think. And I was like, all right. So I read this book, um, and it, it blew my mind. It's just about a a, a Martian uh, baby who was uh, abandoned during the human colonization of Mars, and he was raised by Martians who had this different way of life. And uh, he came back to Earth as uh, an ambassador of Mars and taught like the Martian way of life to the people. And as a young Mormon boy, you know, learning the, these very different perspectives on life and uh, like a, a completely out of this world perspective on uh, on the notion of what it means to live and and be a human being or be a, a conscious entity in this universe. It kind of warped my mind and kind of shook me out of my religion so to speak and made me start asking questions it's and uh and questions how old were you at the time you read this book 15 about 15 maybe 14 15 who knows that's an impressionable time certainly is um you know i was uh i think what is that like eighth grade ninth grade or something like that yeah ninth grade 
Yeah, you know, like you're you're going into the social circles of like, you know, junior high, high school coming up and you're like, you know, trying to find your way in the world, what what circle you want to roll with and things and kind of solidifying yourself as an individual and what defines your character and your being. Certainly. It's all at a pivotal pivotal age, 15. Yeah, and I just moved from uh, Atlanta, you know, speaking about pivotal age, like wh- who you are, where you come from, like when I was a kid, I was raised until uh, I was 10 years old in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in Provo, Utah, but by nine months old, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, and so I consider myself uh, from the South as well, but it's like, <laughs> it's it's hard to be, like I was, I was at uh, Atlanta for 10 years and Utah for nine years, and it's just like, people ask you where you're from, you're like, well, I was born in Georgia, or I was raised in Georgia, but my formative years in Utah, it's like you feel this schizophrenic kind of nature about like, <laughs> Who dual, your identity dual is. identities. Yeah, it's like twi- twist the head. So, you know, trying to fit in, trying to figure out where to go. That book kind of like, what I did love about it is it reinforced my de- my old man's philosophy of of unconditional love that he tried to, you know, pass on to me. And uh, I feel like that's, you know, that compassion, that notion of unconditional love is uh, is, is, is something that uh, he, he strives for every day and, 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 and instills in his children to to strive for as well and i'm very grateful for that he sounds like a stand-up guy a solid man yeah well speaking of fathers you're you're not only a husband but you're also a father you got your hands full i believe yeah i do got a couple <laughs> two under two um two it's under not my two. man not my hand my hands are full when i'm around on the on the on the weekends and on the evenings but uh you know, God bless my wife, Jacqueline, who's uh, looking after these kids every day. So she's got her hands full, to say the least. <laughs> nice. Good honor. How, and <laughs> you were uh, a Marine. How long were you in the service? Yes, sir. I was uh, in the service for five years in active duty and three years in active reserves. Um, the, during those three years of an active reserves, I only had to report once at a muster some in some <laughs> Fort, Fort Benning, Georgia, I believe, just to show that I was alive in case they wanted to reactivate me. It's like the, when I used to like the backdoor draft before the civilians. <laughs> the re- Where were we? Uh, we were just talking about your time in the Marines. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I asked you how long you were in the service for. Five years, 2002 to 2007. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Where did you serve? San Diego and Okinawa. Uh, I was in Okinawa for the first two years and San Diego for two years after that. Uh, Love and, San Diego. <laughs> San Diego's a beautiful place. What part of San Diego you know about? Uh, Gaslamp District. Spent a little bit of time in Carlsbad. Uh, I haven't been down to San Diego as much as I'd like to, but... Obviously. Yeah, Camp Pendleton down there, right? Uh, I was not on Pendleton. So while I was stationed there, uh, I was at Miramar. So I lived in Mira Mesa. Uh, and I, for four months, I trained. Uh, before I went to Okinawa, I trained on uh, Coronado Island nice. uh, at the Naval Air Station down there. Yeah. And that was nice. Like a young single Marine, like 20, 21 years old, uh, going around the gas lamp district, district, just tearing it up was just like. <laughs> Ridiculous. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like running in the morning six miles to the Coronado Hotel Del Coronado, and like, you know, doing hundreds of push-ups in the surf in front of all the tourists, and then running back to base. It was just like ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds like Top Gun. I know. It's just like, it was living the dream. <laughs> it was living the dream. I, I couldn't get enough. You drive. We were driving over the hotel, um, the, the Coronado Bridge, 
not the hotel. We're not driving over the hotel. <laughs> we're, we're driving over the corner on a Bay Bridge, you know, in this forerunner that I had at the time with these, you know, 12-inch speakers kicking 50 cents in the club, you know, like you nice. can't you can't you can't go wrong. You, you just can't go wrong. Well, and you're a Prince Hall Freemason. Did, when you were serving in Okinawa, is that when you were introduced to Freemasonry and the craft? Or how I mean, that I was I, I had I had known of the craft and and the Freemason as a seeker. You know, you you read these about these things, uh, and you, and and they kind of pique your interest. And and you know, so I started at my my ears started to kind of hear those kind of wavelengths. Uh, at a distance amongst the the, the battalion, um, and I caught wind of a couple of people uh, that I should talk to. Um, and uh, there was a gunnery sergeant that I spoke to who had a, a safe with uh, some material that he uh, he, he kind of just pulled out and showed, and then quickly saved, stored away again. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, like sneak peek. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and he said, you know, that to be to be one, ask one. Do you want to be a mason? And uh, and you know, it's just much as similar as I was asked to be a marine. Like to be one, ask one. My recruiter said, you know, I want to hear you say, I want to be a marine. Nice. Uh, and so it was, it was a similar scenario. And Captain Samuel L. Nicholas, one of the, the he was the first commandant of the Marine Corps, was also a mason. So the 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 kind of the tropes, I guess, if that's a way of saying it, the the nuances, the familiarity of the military was already kind of instilled in that whole program. So it was, um, it was kind of a natural uh, stepping stone, I guess, in, as a seeker, as one who asks, asks questions in the military. I think you'll eventually find some some people in the, in the brotherhood. Nice. I, I had a brother on episode 11 of season one, Sean Patrick McPeak. Uh, he was in the Navy, though, but very similar story, it sounds like, on, on what kind of sparked his interest. And it was it kind of the upper... I, I didn't serve in the military, so I'm not overly familiar with the terminology. But um, mm-hmm. his superiors, you know, there were Freemasons with squares and compasses on their, their desk names and kind of sparked his interest. So that that's kind of cool. It jives with you guys the same. My uncle actually served in the Air Force in Okinawa. And that's oh, yeah. My cousin's Hello. mom from the Philippines. and yeah. That was that was a long time ago, man. Early '90s. I remember the first Gulf War, and and I was at a friend's house. I must have been 11 or 12, and you know, 91, 92. I think is when that conflict sparked off. But my mom called me. Is like, get get your ass home. Your uncle's going to war. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Shit. But uh, yeah, he was a dock loader on C-130s. So yeah, another nice. kind of interesting tie-in. <laughs> that is amazing. C one thirty. So that dock loader um, on, on a C one thirty. Your uncle was right. Is that yep. what I caught? Yep. That's great. So one of my and equipment and shit out of the back of airplanes. <laughs> yeah, my, my I was I was in the air wing in the Marine Corps, and um, I was in the ground support equipment MOS sixty seventy two, and. Um, that was basically a glorified car mechanic. I worked on tugs, the diesel engine. <laughs> nice. Uh, the diesel engines that pulled uh, the aircraft around and all the other support equipment like the hydraulic jennies and uh, AC units and uh, um, power units and other things. So I, I mainly worked on the tugs because uh, I wasn't smart enough to work on the electrical side. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work uh, with electric at all <laughs> <laughs> but uh as a result of working on the air wing you know the the whole battalion all, all the different squadrons um our um, 
you know, C-130s, uh, 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 H-53s, CH-46s. And uh, one of my good buddies, uh, James Cook, is an active duty master sergeant with the Marines. He's up uh, at uh, Newburgh, and uh, he's coming down today to say hi. So after after we oh, got nice, off. man. Oh. But C-130s, I love those birds, man. They're so big. They've got those big, those big propellers, the two on each side. There's four four engines. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, cargo planes that can carry, you know, tons of equipment. I, I loaded a ton of those C-130s with Marines and uh, cargo to go down and help the Philippines during those uh, that tsunami that hit. When, oh, uh, damn. That was like 2005. 2005, That was like one of my yeah. proudest. My proudest moment in Okinawa is that that like sick like four, fourteen week or fourteen day like two week sprint of just like like I, my my smallest little contribution to that whole story was like just make, <laughs> make it make it sure that the cargo I wasn't actually working on the tugs at that time I was like the I was like the I did I did the taxiing the aircraft like on Top Gun that guy on the air yep. deck that like. <laughs> Taxi yeah, away, orange cones, like, orange, <laughs> orange cones, and salute the signalmen's. They, they salute the, the the guy and like did the kick at the end. Like so excited to see the jets take off the, the, air, the, 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 the aircraft carrier. Exact scene you're yeah, talking that, about. <laughs> yeah, that that was me uh, for two years in Okinawa. It wasn't until I got back to San Diego that I started working on uh, the, the engines. But um, but that was like basically my whole gig was taxiing those aircraft in and out for like two weeks to to support those um, those people going through that natural disaster. No, well, thank you for your service. Not to sound cheeseball, but that that's huge, man. That's awesome to be able to contribute to relief in a crisis situation like that, and to take pride in that. It sounds like so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it. it's it's what kind of. Um, turn my kind of bent and philosophy towards if I were in charge, right? If they put me at the in the hot seat as president or what have you, or maybe secretary of defense or who knows. If I had if I had the decision to like be like, hey, this is gonna be the new way forward, I'd, I'd repurpose all the military bases around the world because we, we're in like 146 different countries. And like, you know, we provide as a military a lot of natural disaster relief response already. Uh, you know, just just dial back the the international like policing and trying to like yeah. uh, <laughs> like get 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 entangled in other people's affairs. Just reappropriate every human being on those bases and and the and the equipment to serve as the natural disaster relief because the coming storms will only get more frequent and more burly as the years go on. So um, you know. If we want to make America great again, then just become the world's disaster relief response effort rather than some sort of meddling, you know, government trying to use the CIA and other entities to, you know, create puppet dictators. And, oh, we've never done that. Yeah. No, I guess we haven't. Have no, no, we haven't. <laughs> no, but that that's well said. And I agree. Uh, you mentioned you're a systems buster. Elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, it's 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 a it's a nomenclature that I came across in my various you know yammerings across the internet, trying to you know find ways to occupy my mind and 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 keep myself safe from the darkness and despair that and the realization that the universe is a dark forest, and you know, and, and get deep into you know, I, I I came across this YouTube channel about these Pleiadians. That have these messages for yeah, the Pleiadian aliens, the aliens that are part of that seven, the cluster of seven 
um, stars that, that are blue and haze and color. And their Greek mythology has those seven sisters, and they're called the Pleiadians. They're supposedly, like, if you believe and prescribe, like Tom DeLong does, and like the Tom DeLong from Blink 182 for you, nice, yeah. Blink 182 fans out there, he believes in these and <laughs> the whole notion of the, the 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 human species is a part of a broader connective network of. Uh, interdimensional or extraterrestrial uh, entities that are all part of this this game that we're playing here on Earth, um, and that the people should know about it. And the, and the Pleiadians are one of these entities, like X Files. You know, there's several yeah. different kind of aliens. Anyway, these Pleiadians they have a nice message, and they say, you know, you should you should spread love. You should you should make you know make you should just emanate love. You should unconditionally love as much as I like going back, hearkening back to my father who instilled that in me. And they said. Uh, you know, if you were to make a business card, you should make a business card that says Brett Jones, Soul, Terra 3, System Buster. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, make sure you know what nice. planet you're from. Like, it's an intergalactic business card, you know. It's like yeah. you could take this business card and if, you, if I happen to find yourself in, a, in another dimension, you have this business card on you and you can give it to this, you know, interdimensional or extraterrestrial being. being <laughs> and you give it to them and you say, Brett Jones, Soul, Terra 3, they know where you are in Milky Way. You got to hit the Milky Way. I also had a Lania Kea on there because it's the super cluster that the Milky Way is a part of in the, the giant cosmic web of our universe. And so, you know, and the system, like that's the only way, like that's your title, right? As a galactic citizen. Like what what do you want it to be? System. I want to break up the, I want to break up the dark systems and, and the, the tyrannical and, and gross and despicable systems and, and, and just remind everybody that, you know, like, the Paul and John and the Beatles say and everybody else that's worth listening to says in this world, love is all there is. Yeah. Oh, it's all you need. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, tie it in. Tie it in there with the Beatles. <laughs> no, that's fucking, fucking awesome, man. Uh, yeah, man. And, and just kind of going down the list, madman. Oh, yeah. So I've been, I've, I'm a son of a madman. Again, hearkening back to Casey Jones. Um he, Not to be confused to, with the Casey Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but that might yeah, be a good yeah. comparison to some people. No, we, that, that we, would be a compliment. <laughs> we should clarify that for our, our dear listeners. There's a few different generations that we got to clarify that for. For our generation, right? There's uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles for uh, for I can hear Frankie, our dog, who's nice. been off to the farm in the background, finally coming back to the house it's a dog friendly podcast so that's perfect that's, that's good <laughs> and james cook the master sergeant united states marines bringing him so th- there we go full tie-in yes. anyway as i was saying um where were we casey jones multiple generations multiple generations the other one is um his generation the old grateful dead nice. had that song casey, uh, casey jones. jones and then uh, the generation that named him his parents generation had that old uh American urban American legend Casey Jones, who was the railroad engineer. That's uh, right. Yeah, I forgot all about that. I mean, that's what the Grateful Dead Grateful Dead yeah. song based is off about. Of. Yeah. No, that's great, man. What, yeah, what do you do? Uh, I don't know if I pronounced it correctly or not. I hope I did. Is it Madras Global? That Madras Global works. Madras, <laughs> Madras Global. Global. <laughs> Yeah, we say Madras. Madras, Madras. Madras. I mean, Madras is a is an old town like um, on a, in, in India, like really old. Like, and there's an archaeological evidence of tools being there from like, you know, a long time ago. 
Um, there is uh, a town there that's now known as Chennai, and uh, our our owners are out of India. Um, there's a couple of uh, uh, owners that uh, are of a production company that's been in operation for a number of years, and Madras is um, the Madras is the the creative and strategy arm of this parent company to Ad Pro that um, that we're a part of. Speaking of Mad Men, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're Madras, Madrasians over there uh, in Soho. We got about 10 people in our office, give or take, and uh, looking to build a creative and strategy offering for uh, anybody that's looking to weave uh, their dreams, uh, their, their brands. And uh, and we're back. And we're back. So we're talking about Madras uh, Global. Did I say it? Madras I feel like I'm Madras. saying global. Madras. <laughs> Madras global. Global. <laughs> what do you cats do over there? We do advertising, full service for anything anybody needs to break through in the communicative landscape. Uh, we help them weave their dreams to reality. I dig that. <laughs> well said, sir. You recently did a, a radio spot, I think you were saying? Yeah. Pumpin' Pantry uh, convenience store out of Nebraska uh, had, a, had a jingle that they wanted us to help them with. Uh, a buddy of ours who uh, used to be a client at Cabela's uh, ended up out at uh, uh, an enterprise that, that, that owns Pumpin' Pantry and uh, called us up. And said, um, I got my boss to clear a jingle for the radio. Love your help. Appreciate the work you did for Cabela's. Us for radio, we did a bunch of radio, but it was all very promotional. It was like an hour read with like a music bed. Nice. Never really did a jingle for Cabela's. So having like you know AM, PM, or like a Maverick, you know, like uh, uh, I'm, I'm, maybe not a Wawa. But I'm, tra- I'm trying to make all the regionally specific local convenience <laughs> stores rattle off uh, off the top of my head. But you know, you get like the Americana, classic Americana convenience store, like. Kind of old, like Nebraska grown, Nebraska born, Nebraskan bred, pump and pantry. You pump up your day at Pump and Pantry. I love it. I think this the song goes a little something like this. If you forgive me, it goes like, uh, "Pump up your day at Pump and Pantry." <laughs> dude, that's like a traditional jingle, and that that is oh, that's an actual term in advertising is a jingle, right? That goes way back. It's, yeah, it certainly does. It's one of the first, like as soon as radio came out, everybody knew that the way to get people's attention was utilize that music to yeah. get, get their feet stomping and their head to bopping. <laughs> Give them something to, to remember it by. And you're a big yeah. music man yourself. Yeah, I play a little bit of I dabble. Uh, guitar. I got it daily. Uh, and my mom, before she let me play the guitar, told me to take a year piano lessons so uh, I hit the keys every once in a while I'm, I'm not that good but um, you know I just got this house there in, uh, in the valley a little bit of extra space instead of being cramped up in the apartment in uh, the church down there in Manhattan and so uh, I, uh, my father-in-law convinced me to uh, put a baby grand player piano in my living room Nice. <laughs> so the player piano uh, is phenomenal you get to play, uh, you, you just pop in the CD and uh, the 
piano plays itself and you see the keys depressing themselves like uh, Harvey is playing at the piano, like an invisible hand. It's like the Westworld piano. Yeah, yeah, you know Harvey. You know Harvey, that six foot three bunny rabbit that Jimmy Stewart used to talk to? <laughs> you never saw it? Nope, never saw it. Never saw that movie? Check it out, though. Oh, uh, dude, it's a classic. It's all day. It's Jimmy Stewart. He's like, oh, he's like a drunk. He's like, oh, you know my friend Harvey? He's, that, he's the six foot three bunny rabbit sitting right, right next to me. <laughs> Good old you Jimmy Stewart. See, you don't see my friend Harvey? <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna have to check it out. What's the name of the movie? Harvey. Harvey. That is the name <laughs> of the movie. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, it's classic. Nice. Speaking of movies, when are we gonna get to that movie uh, quote or uh, scene or what yeah. are we talking about? No, I, I asked you for uh, a movie clip to plug in, and you you chose one of my favorite movies of all time, Prometheus. But it's uh, the android David, and he's looking at what would that be a, a microbe of the alien virus or whatever it is in that current state. And he says, uh, big things have small beginnings. That's right. Big things have small beginnings. Big things have small beginnings. But no, that, that's a, a very good clip. And that's one of my favorite movies. Why did you want to pick that? I don't know. I mean, uh, that that quote always kind of struck me when I heard it. Um, and I, I know I had heard it a, another time before, right? When I saw it again during Prometheus. And um, I, it kind of struck my memory about Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, Which Peter he's Ro- watching. David's watching right? in Prometheus. It's yeah, true. naturally. Yep. So I was like, I was like, yeah, he said that in that movie. I go back. I was like, it reminded remind me. I got to watch that movie again. So I go back and watch the movie again, and it, and rem- I was reminded how impact. Because when I watched it, I was watching when my dad watched it. Made me watch it when I was like twelve years old. He was like, trust me, you'll like this movie. And I'm like, yeah, it's, thanks, dad. But it's like super heady and long and boring. Like I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but then when like when I went back, you know, I, I was like, oh, now yeah, it's a brilliant movie. Yeah, you know, like a bunch of movies like that. The Wind and the Lion uh, is another one that I, you know, should go back and watch again to appreciate because I don't think I've ever seen The Wind and the Lion. Oh, dude, Sean Connery with yeah. uh, Candace, Candace Bergen. Nope, I haven't seen uh, it. I was actually that was another contender for the movie quote that I wanted to pick. You know, like I wanted to uh, um, maybe even consider uh, the just the the dichotomy between. Uh, Sean Connery's character, Candace Bergen's character in that movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it a lot. You're not gonna do it. No, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not, not, not gonna do it. <laughs> well, getting funny. back to uh, big things have small beginnings. Yeah. The Peter, Peter O'Toole's character in Lawrence Arabia. Um, you know that whole, that, that whole film is all about kind of just the 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 passion of, of one man igniting a, 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 a people, you know, like in, in a movement, like by, and not, not just one people or, or, or one movement, but like, like he was so like entangled in all the different facets of what was going on in that region. And then because of his access to, you know, the, the, the oligarchy and like that military industrial complex behind him and, and his passion and, and, and empathy for the people that he was, 
you know, immersed in. Like it's just like it was such a complex web of emotion and like in of what it means to like like know what's good and what's right to fight for in this world. But you know, you got to do something, and and you know, like this little like a little spark from a little passion created a whole kind of you know movement that 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 and, and Prometheus is the same same thing right like um you know david looks at the 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 inorganic or that organic material and and calls that line and and it, and that and later on in the film you know he you know he wipes off the majority of the 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 compound you know from his fingertip but later right. on in the film he back and 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 during that conversation with uh, what was that fellow's name oh. uh, you, yeah, we, we don't need to get yeah. into it with the human being there. The point, <laughs> point being it's a subject, if you will. Yeah, point being it's a robot and a human being having a dialogue. Um, and, and and this dialogue is all about the notion of creation and 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 knowing where you came from and how far you would go to meet yeah, your creator. Exactly. And as a seeker, like I, you know, to return to this motif of like one who's been asking questions for years decades and still not really finding any answers other than the only thing I know of that in life that is certain is nothing is certain. Like I'm, that, that's about the only statement I'm certain of uh, <laughs> that well then, said. then, you know, like that kind of motif in that movie that has that meta, that, that kind of meta meta super meta tie like that prometheus level futuristic android looking back to a and obsessing over this piece of film that was created you know at the time when my father was a teenager or whatever it's just like like that that it kind of helps me place myself in this intergalactic sub subcontext you know like where where i belong in it all like it if big things really do have small beginnings then maybe I can do something that can ignite a movement and 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 bust a system of darkness and, and make sure that we're all on that right that right love jam that we should all be on. I dig it. That, very well said. And uh, I kind of lost my train of thought there, just digesting what you were breaking down. But you know, having the ability to either motivate. A movement or even just one individual with positivity and love and using that as a guide moving forward is is critical in being a human being and being compassionate so I, I really dig that aside from the fact that I just really love that movie that's yeah. an excellent clip and uh, I could listen to you probably draw that out and elaborate on it all day <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I've been told I'm 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 quite verbose more than once. Uh, <laughs> that's a shout out to my friend David Morrissey. If you're listening, David Morrissey, call nice. me. Nice. What's miss, up, David? Miss, I miss you. <laughs> so you said you had some pretty exciting news back in July, and that we would touch base on that after the 11th of July. Oh yeah. It turns out that was uh, you got tapped to be part of the leadership team for the New York City chapter of the Singularity University as a communications chair. Break yeah. down that mouthful for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not overly familiar with the Singularity <laughs> University. Um, yeah. Enlighten 
our listeners, our audience. That's there's a lot going on there, certainly. And and what I'm about to say, there's probably going to be a lot to unpack as well. But uh, Singularity <laughs> University, Singularity University is an uh, institution that I've been following since it's almost since its foundation back in 2008. Uh, they're 10 years old, founded by Ray Kurzweil and Peter Diamandis. Ray Kurzweil. Yeah. I'm, Ray I'm, Kurzweil. Yep. Go ahead. I'm familiar with him. Um, I'm trying to think. I've read one of his books, a more recent one, and I, I can't really recall the title off the top of my head, but his whole bag is, is in a sense, kind of finding immortality, and the singularity would be the, the conjoining, if you will, of humans and robots to create a sentient, sentient and conscious entity. Would that be a fair way to break it down? I feel like I yeah. spotted it. I mean, so Ray, no, it's all right. Ray Kurzweil wrote a book called The Singularity is Near. And uh, he, he, he is interested in what will happen with uh, artificial intelligence uh, and, and um, once we create a human level general intelligence, you know, the implications of that. And he writes about that and everybody can read about that. But Singularity University itself, um, you know, draws its name from kind of that that pontification but but you know it's it's more so of an it's an institution that educate and bring people together that are interested in uh exponentially uh transformative technologies that could positively impact a billion people in 10 years um which know, is a are, huge turnaround that's it crazy. is and it, yeah, and so th- that's how it was incepted. And you know, ten years later, have they positively impacted a billion people? Uh, you know, I, I think there was an article that that, that Peter Diamandis talks about. You know, on Medium, uh, that where you know, it's ten years later, he kind of did his perspective. He's the CEO of uh, the current outfit, and he said, you know, ten years later, have we done it? No, but are we on our way? Yes, we are. And um, and I, I'm a firm believer in that. I think the the values of that institution are are true. I think uh, with the right uh, amount of uh, community level action that they're investing in right now is 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 going to make some real impact. Uh, I, the New York City chapter, which I'm part of, is just one of 116 chapters across 61 countries around the world, and um, and it's a and the the mission for each one of those chapters is simply to bring together three to four times a year to bring together exponentially minded individuals to learn how to get connected and learn how to address one of the 12 global grand challenges we have before us, whether it be through uh, water, uh, you know, there's a billion people or more, two billion people without water every day. Um, I can't, don't take, don't quote me on that, please. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think it's, it's pretty ridiculous you know um there's shelter um agriculture uh, energy uh space resources if we can utilize space resources to help address some of these challenges the, the whole thing is each one of these 12 challenges are intertwined right, right. if you can take if you can take two of these challenges and and find out a solution utilizing the resources to address one that helps the other or vice versa um then you've got an exponential mindset you're gonna you're gonna you know yield results that'll that'll be much more uh, fortuitous than trying to think linearly. You know the right. the 
and that's the that's the whole notion of being exponential that 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 we want to try and uh, find in in our communities is those that that want to just think beyond what it takes to get a step by step progression, but uh, uh, what we can do if we can apply technology to help us go, uh, you know, two times every iteration. So two and two is four, four and four, four, four is sixteen. Six, four, four, four times four is 16, 16 and 16 is, you know, I mean, like, who, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a, I was an English major, so the, 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 bath, the math, uh, I'm not the, not the best. <laughs> I'm not the best with math either, but I think in a sense, it kind of reminds me of Alan Moore in his documentary, The Mindscape of Alan Moore. He was the novelist behind uh, V for Vendetta, The Watchmen, he did Swamp Thing for a little bit, but uh, he's a really groovy cat if you're not familiar with him. But he talks about information and how, as a, a species, it, it used to take us so long to figure things out from the Dark Ages up until now, and how information just keeps getting faster and faster. Our input is higher and higher. And, and the, the further we move along, the quicker information is. The things that took us 100 years to learn now take us 10. Things that we would understand in a month, we now can learn in a day. So it kind of seems like that same type of momentum, if you will. Is, is Absolutely. Kind of focus, which is very, very cool. What's your role as a communications chair? Do you, do you, well, are you doing PR work? Are you, what do you I do in that see- capacity? I went some. I went through some media training, so I, I hope that that I'm I'm doing okay there. Um, <laughs> in, in case any any other members of the press like yourself want to talk to me, they they, they can reach out and and I, I I can talk to them about what it takes to get that, you know, global grand challenges addressed. Uh, whether it be you're you're here in New York City for business, if you want to come through, um, you know, I know a lot of people come through New York City. You don't have to be a local in New York City to get involved in this chapter. Uh, anybody that comes Very through cool. is welcome to, to join us on this journey because I feel like that's what the power of um, New York City has to offer. And so part of my role as communications chair is to get the word out. And so thank you, LJ, for uh, inviting me to be on your podcast here. I know you got a small listenership that you're growing. It's going to be it's going to be big and and. <laughs> And maybe we'll one day, <laughs> maybe 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 one day in the future, people will look back at these early episodes and find us, you know, shaking and moving in New York City. And so, by all means, you can you can, you can find us by emailing um, uh, su at. Uh, oh wait, I, I have to look up these things. Can I send you the clip later, dude? No, send me the clip and the info, <laughs> and uh, I'll put it in the podcast bio on the website and on iTunes for sure. I'm, I'm so. so unprepared. I should have it on hand. Look at me. Nope, it's so, all good. We so, live in a day so, and age where uh, you can very quickly get me that information and in a few clicks of a few buttons on the keyboard here. It's updated yeah. and everybody can get to it. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, um, that's fucking awesome, dude. Uh, I'm excited yeah. to see where that takes you and and kind of having a personal attachment, if you will, to it through you. Uh, I'm excited to see what the Singularity University does in its next 10 years when it's 20 nope. years old you know hopefully well, we sit down again and touch base before then but at that point we should definitely sit down again and and see what you guys are up to by all means uh you know i i don't, even, I, I don't think i saw that a, a, a salt lake city chapter 
uh, as I was looking through the chapter list. So, you know, Salt Lake City is a tech hub. There's a lot of there's a lot of exponentially minded individuals out there. I lived there for nine years growing up. I know there's a counterculture out there that is undiscovered. Um, people that don't know about Salt Lake City as far as music is concerned um, are wrong because uh, <laughs> you get these you get these conservative minded families that raise these children and put instruments in their hands so they can be a part of the choir or the band camp. And they learn to read and write music at a very young age. And then, like me, they begin asking questions. And when they're not satisfied with their answers, they pick up their instruments and start a rock band. Yep. And uh, <laughs> the music scene in Salt Lake City is so underrated. And I don't care if I'm blowing it up. Like, you know, like, please, I, I want it to be discovered because I'm sick and tired of hearing. You know, all, all my musician friends from back there just lament and struggle about paying rent. <laughs> we, it's always been awesome with the counterculture in Salt Lake City and, and being a part of that as a kid and growing up. Music was a huge aspect of that and the hardcore scene and punk rock music scene. And we we've, we've really have a lot of talented musicians from that counterculture. And I think a lot of them could share your background and, and kind of how they got into that. I remember the first time you broke out an acoustic guitar at the Republican a few months <laughs> after you moved back to Salt Lake and I met you down there over drinks and you're a talented man, dude. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. mind uh, having you jam anytime. Thanks, dude. I'd love to come through. I'll play a set at the Republican anytime. I, I played, uh, I played, I bought, I brought, uh, somebody let me borrow their guitar um, not too long ago, at the open mic here in Valley Cottage, at the 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 uh, whiskey the whiskey kitchen, the whiskey off of kitchen. Uh, nice yeah, off of, <laughs> of, of Route three hundred four, I think it is. Um, stones throw away from where I love. I love that place. Uh, I, I I cut my teeth playing like you know shows in Okinawa. Actually, it's like what I mean. I played open mic. I didn't cut my teeth. I cut my teeth open mic and like you know. The, what was it? Sugar House Coffee Shop. Uh, fact, was it, was it oh, yeah. Blue Cats? Blue, Blue Cats? Cats. Yeah. Blue I Cats. Yeah, Blue I played. Cats. I played a lot. I played a lot of shows at Blue Cats, and I read a lot of poetry at Blue Cats. I was a sonneteer. I loved write. I loved reading sonnets. Um, but then I, every once in a while, I'd break out the guitar and play a little uh, guitar right there. But uh, oh man, you're getting me all nostalgic, dude. Yeah, like all the. That's I, the point. I, I, I would hope I, so. <laughs> I play. I, I I read poems at uh, what was that place in Sugar House? The uh, there's like a butterfly coffee shop or something like that. It was like a hippie. Uh, there's so many little play, little pockets of counterculture. So many little pockets of counterculture out there in Salt Lake City. I love that. I love that town. I mean, you're making me miss it so hard. Come on back anytime. <laughs> we got a Murphy bed pulled down. We'll we'll break it out for you. And- Hey, did you build that Murphy bed? Uh, no, I, I did not. Jackie, I'm, I'm thinking it, about making. And then I took it apart, brought it home, pieced it back together. Uh, the I'm one thing about is a... we wrapped it in barnwood, though. That was us. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm thinking about making a, a, a lorry wall. You heard of a lorry wall? No. They're like uh, at the at the poor man's Murphy bed, I guess. There's no spring. It's like a rounded piece of wood, so you have to be strong to lift it up and down. Huh. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. 
it, we kind of touched on music a little bit. Um, I don't know if you want to jump on philosophy at all or science fiction, science fiction, mysticism, futurism. The, the floor <laughs> is yours. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like the, the whole thing about futurism or mysticism and all of that is like, you can't really be self-described as a futurist or a mystic. Like you have to be like, you have to just kind of live your life and let other people call you those things. You know? And, yeah. and I like to try, I like to try and consider myself or fashion myself as that kind of person. But you know, who knows? Like right now I think I'm doing okay. It's just like a, a, a an okay fella that, that isn't a waste of time to hang around with. And, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's not a bad place to be at all. <laughs> and you're there. You know, for... I mean, like, go ahead. There's this whole, you know, you ask me, like, what's my bio? You know, like, and everybody asks me, what's my bio? Like, my LinkedIn profile, my face. We're all, we're all putting on these masks, you know, like what we can do to, like, make, make ourselves sound, like, accessible or entertainable or, like, you know, somebody worth desire yeah somebody yeah. worth spending spending time with right because time is like the most precious commodity that we have so like what is it that 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 makes me worth spending time with and and that's the thing is like i'm constantly stru- struggling with this like notion like i'm not good enough in spite of everything that i've got going for me and everything i've got i've got like like you know like there's, we've got this culture of being braggadocious and like you know, being like, I got it all, you know, like, and being like, you should want it, like, bet you wish you were me, like Tom Sawyer, you know, like, like, or like, uh, like Kanye West, you know, like, I'm the best at it all, like, they, 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 these games of ego, and like, like, but, but it, to speak about Kanye again, he calls it back and says, like, you know, I got mental problems, like, I feel like a lot, there's a, there's a lot of mental problems, everybody's got mental problems, like, I feel like we're a schizophrenic culture right now. Like we're trying to figure out who we are, who we are as a people. I feel like as a people, we've got a lot of problems, and we've got a lot of issues. We got to try to work out together, and we got to like work through it by talking about it to everyone. Because if well, we don't man, talk about those it, those are two big aspects. You know, we we have to work together for the common yeah. good. We have to talk when people refuse to engage in whether it's a, a debate or a subject matter in this day and age everybody's tribalism i feel is reverted to where instead of being one collective big tribe everybody's breaking down into their small tribes and the second there's an aspect of you that i don't like or that i don't agree with that's where the conversation stops and it's us versus you and that's the wrong mentality to, to have especially in this day and age our potential is so much more and we're just allowing ourselves to be dumbed down and divided yeah and it's it's disheartening that's, that that's why i like to subscribe to tom delong's vision of the future <laughs> <laughs> not, not, to, <laughs> not to say what i know what tom delong tom delong's vision of the future is but i feel like he like me, like systems buster, like Tom DeLonge, the systems buster, right? He had uh, a rock band and he got a big following and like he's got a he's got a bunch of people that listen to him. And he's like, what can I say to those people that are listening to me? 
and he found out that he think like he thinks that that's it. And Tom, I'm with you, brother. Like that <laughs> might be it, because we as human beings, I feel like are caught in this cycle of samsara. Uh, it's a, it's a cycle of samsara that is has been flipped on by the powers that be that know how to manipulate culture through controlling education. And I feel like if we can fix our education system, if we can teach people how to be critical human beings, to think critically, uh, to, 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 to have self-scribed uh, opinions by exercising judgment and utilizing the scientific method to decide whether or not something is true or something is not true, and then having that uh, having that uh, realization or that 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 that, that hypothesis validated. Uh, through peer review and making sure that we all subscribe to the same level of reality. Like, let's return to uh, a, a base level of reality where there's no more fake news and we can all just trust the sources of, 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 of voices that are responsible for disseminating that information to the rest of the public. Like, once we fix education, then the news system will get fixed too because the people will no longer be prescribed to accept that which the media tries to foist upon them. Right. And then it will cleanse itself. The reason why we're having trouble now is because there's a, a breakdown in the system whereby the propaganda that the media feeds the public is accepted as truth. And that needs to change. The public needs to self-correct the media into only delivering, only delivering what is true. And, and that's the problem because well and that's the purpose of the the media and the press to begin with is to as john f kennedy said to inform to arouse and sometimes even anger public opinion like we we have to be informed and we need to there has to be clarity to the truth you know what i mean absolutely when, when you start to distort the truth to feed your political agenda or to discredit somebody else's, that is a very slippery, slippery slope, and it's not a progressive way to move forward. So, and and I think hopefully, you know, more podcasts jump up. I don't think we really have radio talk shows like we used to, where we as individuals kind of take it on ourselves to to offer somewhat of a clear view of what's going on in the world yeah. and especially in our government. You know, if, if, if our government fears scrutiny from its, its uh, civilians, there's, there's a major issue there and that there's something that's not being talked about that should be talked about. It's being avoided at that point. You're certainly right. You're certainly right. So I'm good. That's kind of a cool, cool way for you to take the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I mean, I, I think when do we get here through like what what is the role at Singularity University? What are we trying to do? Like, I'm not trying to make a uh, is that what is that where we, is that where this all started? I believe where, like, somewhere along those lines. <laughs> exponential thinking, like people that want to get involved, local level. Right. That's why I love Singularity University is because they recognize that the only real impact you can make is on a local level and by driving real impact challenges. Um, I'm gonna send you more clips. 
uh, more more like voice clips about the various ways each community can get involved. If you want to activate it at a chapter level, then you get in touch by uh, visiting URL XYZ. And if you want to get in touch uh, by joining the various programs Singularity University has to offer, you know, just follow them. And you'll find out how. Trust me, they'll, <laughs> they'll get they'll get in touch. Nice. But their 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 mission, I believe it, um, and that that's because I I haven't found anybody else who's kind of spouting the same kind of exponential mindset that I think I already had inherently as an individual. Um, that's the that's the only reason I'm hitching my wagon with them is because it feels like that's they they have the community that is the most chock full of people that is. Uh, like-minded like me like they 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 have a way to connect with people around the world 116 chapters across 61 countries that that no matter who you are where you come from if you want to help make the world a better place and find out how to apply technology to uh, better your little local village whether it be in a city in America or a little uh, town in Africa or Asia or Malaysia, or New Zealand, or <laughs> like, I don't care where. It's a it's a planetary. It's a system systems wide initiative. No, that that's awesome. Uh, I'm excited to again see see what you do with that and what not you as an individual per se, but as a group as a collective, take that momentum and information and push it forward. Uh, it's that's awesome, dude. What what else uh, do you want to talk about? Anything we haven't mentioned? Is there anything? Uh, I just want to I just want to I just want to quickly touch on a, a particularly sore subject that we as Americans should feel embarrassed to talk about, but I feel obliged. Uh, we, we didn't make it into the World Cup this year, and we our team, our men's national team, um, the ladies, of course, they are always spectacular. And hats off to the ladies the for doing. The women's U.S. national team is, is phenomenal. Yeah, of compared course. To the and men's. <laughs> hats off, thank you, ladies, for representing the United States of America as I would hope our men would do. <laughs> but for some reason, we're not up to snuff, and it's getting me upset. And and I want to try and exercise a little bit of forgiveness and a little bit of uh, patience, um, as as we should be want to do unconditional love. You know, like it's okay. You're gonna be all right. You get another. <laughs> you get another shot, boys. You get another shot every You'll four be years. All right, but sh- God damn it, pick up the pace. <laughs> you get it. You get another shot. And if you let me down again, then the you won't like me when I'm angry. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's a nice little hark into Bruce Banner. <laughs> I like that. And then Incredible <laughs> Hulk. You won't like me when I'm angry. Uh, oh. But wait, that's his secret is he's always angry. <laughs> but no, that, and World Cup just wrapped up, and you know, I was really rooting for Croatia to, to win it, but well done on France. But it was a little oh, bittersweet Ale having Le Bleu. the men's national team in there. So hopefully, I don't know if they're going to continue with Bruce Arena as head coach or not. I haven't really been paying attention to what's going on with the coaching staff with the U.S. men's national team. But I, I say bring I really hope back. when we get back. I, bring bring Klinsman back. I liked Klinsman. I think he did a I, phenomenal job. I don't understand I don't, why I don't we think, dropped him to pick up Bruce Arena. But they didn't understand the long that's my view. bias of not being a galaxy view. fan. <laughs> it's the long view. Nobody understands the long view anymore. 
Everybody's impatient. <laughs> Nobody understands the long view. Klinsman had a long view. Klinsman's long view was keep insulting the MLS. Yeah. Keep just making the MLS feel we'll like poke, poke turds motivate them because, to, to because they don't know how to make team. homegrown talent. And if um, once we, his long view, and I believe him, if uh, at least that's how I interpret it. He hasn't told me specifically. <laughs> this is what, but I interpreted his long view as st- stoke a fire in the MLS that makes them so angry that they don't have a homegrown system to deliver like real result at the national international level. Like that. Well, Clinsman had issues with with just the amount of time that he would get these players, the the amount of off time the players would have. And he really did push the envelope on that homegrown players. And I don't want to say breeding individuals to be phenomenal soccer players, but I mean, it really does kind of touch down on that. They need practice. They need to hone their skills. They need time on the pitch. They need time working together as a team for the country when they are the MLS gets involved and drags these players away and it doesn't jive with his coaching schedule and the way he wants to groom these guys there's going to be problems exactly. and we saw it's huge problems yeah we saw it we we've seen it we'll continue to see it until until we have a national level soccer presence we will not have a global level do- dominance yeah and and it's a it's a matter of whether or not we want to be accepted on the global stage. I, I I'd say that's probably one of the most like divisive reasons like uh, culturally like if we can just like 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 let's have America's pastime like we we're big enough country to have our pastimes like we still have our football and our NBA yeah. and our baseball we can still have all and those our things. hockey <laughs> we can have yeah our hockey thank you we can have every sport you want. But like, please, let's show up on the global stage and shut everybody else up. Like, you want to make America great again? Win the World Cup. <laughs> win the World Cup. I mean, look at France. Yeah. Look at France. Yeah. Well, then it is a beautiful. You know, it is the beautiful game, and it when you excel at it, it really brings people together, and that that's the beauty of it. And when I mean, we can't show up on a world stage. Where everybody else is showing up, it's kind of pathetic. <laughs> it is. It's, it makes me sad. It makes me. I hang. I put. I put my American flag up on my property as often as I can. Uh, I, I am a veteran. I should do it every day. Uh, I wish every citizen would do it every day. I've got uh, mine up daily, and it's illuminated I, at night, so I don't have to take it down. <laughs> well, you see, there you go. You know the rules. At least you know the rules. So, at least you know the rules. You have it illuminated at night. Well, and I think it's important to keep it up at night. To, to be, I, I agree. Yeah, you know, I agree. To take pride in where you live, and yes, and we all live in the world, but and also the country. You know, America is a part of our history. It's where we were born and raised. Our country's done terrible things, but it's done great things too. And no, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But if if there's another place that you feel you would have been luckier to have been born, you always have the option to move there. But as opposed to thinking that me being patriotic is a sign of devotion to my government, you are extremely wrong. Uh, you take pride in your country and where you're from and, and what you're doing as a community. 
And that's what makes our country great. And exactly. when you lose sight of that and you're not helping to correct the wrongs or the issues that we have on a national scale, you just say, fuck America, you're kind of pro- part of the problem. You're just the yep. other side of the coin. Hey, it's like my chemistry teacher used to always say, if you're not part of the solution, then you're, you're part, part of the, of the precipitant. Problem. Yeah. No, you're part of the precipitant. Precipitant. That's a word too big for my vocabulary. <laughs> I, it's all my science jokes. Hey, can I give us three of science jokes real quick? You ready? Absolutely. Ask me. If, roll. Let's a, hear it. Ask me. Ask me if I have any sodium jokes. Do you have any sodium jokes? Nah. <laughs> Do you want to hear a potassium joke? Sure. Okay. I would tell another chemistry joke, but all the good ones are gone. <laughs> Speaking of argon, argon walked into a bar. Bartender said, "We don't allow any noble gases in here." So Argon didn't react. <laughs> I wish I could take all these chemistry jokes and just bury them. You should. <laughs> I got English jokes too. You ready? Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Who's go? Am I knock. going or you're going? <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> to. To who? No, to whom? <laughs> the past, the present, and the future all walk into a bar at the same time. It was tense. Um, I think you need to make a coffee book table. No, I stole all these from uh, the video channel. I stole them all from uh, uh, John Green. No, Hank Green. Hank Green. The Vlog vlog Brothers. Shout out to the Vlog Brothers. John and Hank Green, they were around since like 2008, since when like video blogging was like first a thing. And a shout out to you. Uh, oh, yeah, dude. U-H-H-Y-E-A-H-D-U-D-E dot com. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, Seth oh, Ramatelli. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, Seth Ramatelli. Seth Ramatelli and Jonathan Larquette. Uh, much love to you two and everything you do about uh, bringing America together. See, it's all about the uh, eyes of America. You know, seatbelts, boys. Seatbelts. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Well, I think, you know, we did have some technical difficulties here and there, and hopefully I can work some editing magic and and iron those out, which we'll, we'll see how it turns out. But I appreciate you taking time away from your family on your Sunday and, and kind of rapping with me on my podcast and to my half a dozen or so listeners. And I, I just appreciate you, man. I've known you for years, and... We just kind of always clicked, and I'll, I'll never forget meeting you down at the Republican and having drinks and you playing music down there and conversations we've had. You you were definitely on my kill list for the, the podcast. I didn't get you on the first season, so I'm glad to get you on the, the first actual episode of season two, Brett. Hey, man. Uh, it's an honor to be on your uh, podcast as an aspiring podcaster myself. Uh, I want to say good on you for... Uh, having the motivation to do what it takes. Uh, you are the exemplification of one of my mantras. Uh, you do what you got to do when you've got to do it, because if you don't do it when you can, then it won't get done. Uh, Love it. I, I know it takes a lot to make a podcast happen. Uh, Jackie, thank you for helping uh, LJ out here, because I know. <laughs> IT guru, save my ass all the time. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. 
Uh, so, and, um, thank you again for having me, dude. It's a pleasure to wrap with you. I can't wait until I get back to the New York, uh, Salt Lake city. Uh, everybody out there in Salt Lake listening, by all means, uh, you got a home out here in New York city. Just give me a shout. And that's a wrap on this episode of the dead cereal podcast. Join me next time. I'll be sitting down with Mark Seeley, realtor with city home collective out of Salt Lake city. He's also an artist focusing on abstract expressionism tattoo enthusiast. He has many other talents and interests. We'll see you then.